Oh, hold on one second. Let me yell it to us. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. Joining me today, as he does often, is, uh, is, a, uh, is a man who I appreciate every time he's able to come on to uh, my little, little tiny show. But he is our Bulwark correspondent. Uh, uh, the 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 maven of the South Denver suburbs, the now emperor of Oakland, <laughs> is my friend Tim Miller. Hello, Tim. Thank you. It's um, always my honor to come on and just get let me give me an outlet to talk about the Nuggets. Well, so right. thank you. I'm yeah, looking well, forward to it. It's 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 game time. Well, yeah, you need you need uh, someone like me out here to to help you, um, you know. Uh, get your nuggets out of your system because uh, as people don't know this, uh, and I've mentioned this on the, on the podcast frequently, Tim, Tim and I text during the games. Uh, and yeah. I know you have a, a nuggets uh, uh, text chain that you uh, separate and apart from me. So I, I it, this uh, gives you an opportunity in recorded form to get your nuggets takes out. Multiple nuggets text chains. So I'm, I'm, I'm curating uh, <laughs> takes from across the, you know, WhatsApp world. Um, and so, uh, you know, hopefully providing the best, best takes possible to the listeners here of, the, of this podcast. Right. So um, we got a playoff series coming up. The uh, sequel to the 2019 uh, playoffs, uh, get the second round between the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers. Um, to start off with, so I always like to get my guests' thoughts first. What were your thoughts when you knew that the Blazers were going to be the ones that the Nuggets would be facing? Um, well, I, a, a relief that it wasn't the Lakers, uh, of course. Um, and, I, you know, I wanted the Mavericks. I, I would have rather played the Mavericks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, just, just based on the current setup of this Nuggets team uh, based on who's healthy. Um, I, I think we'd match up better with, with, uh, with the Mavericks. Um, uh, you know, we can get into this a little bit more, but I, I have that, I think PTSD from 2019, that little mm-hmm. feeling in the pit of your stomach about that painful, what was it a Saturday or Sunday morning game seven loss was that yes. early, early game out here in Oakland. Um, yeah. I had to suffer the rest of the day after that. And, and, you know, the notion of having to go up against Damon CJ with a Faku and, and Rivers, that court is not exactly what we were planning on um, for, the, for the playoffs. So I, I've, I have some anxiety about the series, um, uh, but uh, it certainly was a better alternative than, than playing the Lakers. And, and it, I, think, I think it's going to be fun. Um, going to a previous conversation you and I had privately, uh, I, that is the last time I went to Charlie's was that day. Actually, now I remember that. So I went, we, oh, the, Lord. they lost. I went home. 
my friend William picked me up. We ended up down there, and there was a lot of drinking going on. And it wasn't yeah, because that would have been an lost. ugly scene. <laughs> it wasn't because they lost. It was just coincidental. <laughs> um, so, I this is the way I look at this, and I I, I am I, and I think I personally am in the outlier because I'm completely confident in the Nuggets' ability to beat the Blazers. Um, I don't have any real reservations other than they, I mean, look, I am willing to have egg on my face. It has happened frequently. Uh, I predicted that the, the Nuggets would beat the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2011 when it was the post-trade, mellow trade Nuggets mm-hmm. who were playing them. And I was like, yeah, they'll beat them. And of course, I, they, they lost in five games. Um, but I actually am, one of the reasons I'm confident about this is because this Nuggets team is not the same team that it was in 2019 nor is it the same team that it was earlier this year. And yeah, they've pretty much handled the Blazers uh, in the first two matchups. And then of course they gave, you know, <clears throat> played quote unquote in the last sure. game of the season. Um, but this was a, uh, I, what I've seen from the Nuggets and, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit, um, Tim, is that I think Aaron Gordon and what he allows the Nuggets to do, even without Jamal Murray, out there is he allows them to be vitally and in, in my view more de- more uh versatile defensively and i think that is actually going to carry them through this more than uh any sort of uh you know shot making ability that he specifically has but i'm really looking forward to him being able to switch on to cj mccollum for him to be able to be uh, guard Yusuf Nurkic in a pinch for him to like do all of this stuff, like be that Swiss army knife that the nuggets really did not have when Rodney hood beat the nuggets in 2019, simply because he was tall. Yeah. No, don't say Rodney hood's name. I'm going I'm breaking out into hives. Um, I look, I agree with you. And, and Gordon was basically picked up to stop Rodney hood, right? They don't have a Rodney hood. I, they got mellow and, and I, you know, we'll see. I guess who he's on, whether he's on Norman Powell or, or, or Covington. But but yeah, the switches onto the smaller guards. I guess Malone said that they might even use them, um, uh, one on one to match up directly with CJ um, uh, at some point over the course of the series, which I would look forward to. I, nobody's higher on Aaron Gordon than me. I forget the last time I was on this pod. I guess it was at, right after we picked him up, and so right. we were both, you know, ebullient and joyous. Uh, I, I got even more. Uh, uh, on the on the AG hype train in the ensuing weeks after that, obviously after that big Clippers victory, mm-hmm. and you know I, I not if you know not, uh, I was I was making uh, some now regrettable uh, pretty aggressive wagers on the Nuggets to win the Western Conference <laughs> at that time. I think that uh, I, I felt like the Nuggets were, in my opinion, the favorites, right. uh, or at least a coin flip to win the Western Conference with the Lakers. Um, you know, with Utah being right under them. Uh, when they were at full health. Um, so I, I think AG makes a big difference, no doubt. Uh, again, uh, boy, would he have made a big difference in da- a Dallas series that we're not going to have, um, right. you know, guarding Luka. Um, and, and so in this series, uh, you know, I think it just sort of remains to be seen, you know, how much he can really, you know, frustrate or shut down um, CJ or, or how much he can help in switches or playing as a free safety kind of situation. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and the other thing I think that he brings a big advantage of um, is, is I, I don't know if the Lakers starting lineup is sustainable in the series. Like I, I just like, who is Norm Powell going to guard on the Nuggets? I, I think that we kind of almost have a reverse Rodney Hood situation 
you know, where we have the length now this right. time versus 2019. And they're playing a three guard that's what Norm Powell's, what, 6'4 or something like that? I mean, he's right. a short guy. Yeah. Uh, and so he's going to have to either guard MPJ, who's got six inches on him, or or Aaron Gordon, who's got five inches and, you know, 50 thick pounds or whatever it is right. on him. And, and, and I mean, I think it, I don't, Norman Paul might get played off the court uh, in this, uh, in this series, um, knock on wood. So, I, so I, I'm with you on that part. I, I've got other concerns, but I, I think AG will be, will be nice in this series. Well, I think he's, uh, you know, I, Gordon provides them, like I said, with the versatility. And he's also, as you pointed out, um, thick and he's able to uh, strong and he's able to match up in ways that the Nuggets really didn't have when they had Tory Craig or right. Gary Harris out there I mean both of those guys were undersized and and Tory Craig didn't exactly light up the world guarding people who were bigger than him right, right. Um, so I think that is where it comes in handy as far as I, I'm concerned and I think that people need to, just in my view, people need to stop looking at this Nuggets team like the same team that was around when after post-trade deadline. This Nuggets team fundamentally changed when Will Barton went down. This is not the same team. This team plays completely differently. This team doubles down defensively now. And this is probably the most slow it down, 90s Knicks-esque Nuggets team I've ever seen. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, within the modern context, because they don't, they don't, they're, they're not fast. They don't fast break at all. They are, they are deliberately, this is Mike Malone's wet dream, right? That he loves, loves this kind of ball and they're playing like it and they're playing okay enough. And I think the real test of it will be this series to see if they can take that style and maybe because this is, I think what, in my view, this is playoff style basketball that they, the Nuggets have been playing. And maybe this will translate to the first round. Who knows? Yeah. I, well, let's, I'll, I'll stick on the positives here um, since you're Mr. Positive and I'll, I'll be the rain cloud later in the podcast on the things I'm worried about. But um, I, I agree that in so, the way that the team has changed, uh, boy, if they would have kept PJ Dozier, really what you're talking about would be the case if we still had Dozier, but even without Dozier, you know, you look at that starting five um, and uh, you know, Faku is going to be a real pest for Dame. You know, and he's going to, you know, try to fluster him. Dame's about as cool as I come. But but Faku, I think, is going to have a good chance of getting under his skin. Uh, Rivers brings a lot of length, you know, against McCollum. So, again, you go back to that 2019 team. And you had Murray. This was kind of before, you know, Murray had gone beast mode. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Murray got thicker for the for the bubble. And, and his defense was bad in 2019. Gary was undersized. You're bringing Beasley off the bench, not a good defensive player. Uh, Barton was undersized at the three. We didn't really have a backup three. I guess, I guess it was Tory, like you're saying. He couldn't guard bigger guys. So, you know, matchup-wise on the defensive side, it just wasn't there um, right. in 2019. And so this time, uh, you know, both from a size and personnel perspective, defensively, pretty good pretty good shape potentially i will i will see and uh, you know dame is dame and 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 maybe our hopes and dreams of faku being a pest and getting up in them you know won't won't bear fruit but uh, i think the ability to have a, a, a rangier two in in rivers and then really big on the wing um with 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 ag 
Um, it's, it's a much different animal than, than 2019. And to your point, even or to pre-trade deadline, you know, with, with this team didn't even have a, th- basically didn't have a three on the roster right, right. Um, before the trade. Well, I'll, 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 I'm going to go a step further here and I'm going to give a shout out to your boy, Shaq Harrison. Um, okay. I think he's the ultimate wild card in this because the guy can't, I, I, I we got a large enough sam- sample size here to know he's not going to contribute much besides penetrating the lane on offense. He, he is, he is going to get and try to break down the defense uh, on the offensive end, but he's not going to win any awards for shooting. Um, but I don't think that nearly matters because the nuggets now have multiple defensive guards to throw at him. And I think that helps. I mean, who knows how long Dozier is going to be out. I it didn't sound encouraging when he went out now, but uh, Will Barton may come back for this series. There's indications that he may, but I think Shaq Harrison is the, the X factor here, because if you, if you throw uh, Shaq Harrison and Paco Capazzo at Dame Lillard, the annoyance factor for Dame is probably going to go up significantly. And both of those guys are tenacious in different ways. Faku is more annoying and uh, Shaq is more aggressive. Um, how do you see that kind of thing uh, coming into fruition? Because I, I got I to tell you, I think there's ways people haven't been thinking about this series, and I, it, it's been perplexing to me. I think this Nuggets team can get enough offense, but I think the key is going to be the way they approach defensively. And I think, just based on my view, this Nuggets team does actually match up pretty well with the kinds of guards that they have. Uh, currently on the roster. Yeah, look, I, I've really enjoyed Shaq during this period, um, as, as you as you referenced. Uh, I think that he is bringing, you know, possibly close to a hundred percent of the 2021 version of Gary Harris, right? I mean, obviously, right. offensively, nothing like 2018, 2017, Gary. But 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 based on what we were getting from Gary before the trade deadline. Uh, basically the same uh, added for nothing um, in addition to AG. So uh, you'd like that. Um, uh, his, his defense has been obviously amazing. He's had just some really amazing steals, a great, you know, very aggressive defense. Uh, the question is just how much can he get on the floor? Right. And, you know, it depends on if Barton comes back, if Barton comes back, probably not that much. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I worry what it leads me to worry about on the offensive end. I, I'm in total agreement with you on the defensive end. I think this is a good, I think we match up very well uh, with this Portland team over on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side, I worry about the second unit altogether. Um, and so I don't know how much, how, how much can you play Shaq, right? Um, if, if you can't get buckets, uh, I, I, I think that, you know, Cantor, uh, you know, JaVale isn't really a great matchup for him. Neither's Millsap, neither's Green. You know, say what you want about Mello again. Again, like that's not a particularly great matchup on the again with Nuggets on the offensive side, Covington. So I just where are you going to get your buckets from, and um and and do you waste your Jokic minutes? You know, having having somebody on the floor who can't shoot, uh, it allows the you know allows the Blazers to double team, allows the Blazers to crowd the paint. So that that's I think the big question for Shaq. I I think that if 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 the Nuggets can work it out on offense like you like you suspect, um, I think he adds a lot on defense and can and can play some serviceable minutes off the bench. Um, 
if not, uh, you know, who knows? I and mean, is that something, is this something where we look to Porter who, who sort of, uh, va- you know, vacillates and plays with the plays with the bench and, and, and has to look to get scoring on his own. I, I don't know what the answer is to that. I think that's going to be the inevitable answer because that's at this point, they have no other choice than to put, yeah. do what the bulls did and everything comes back to the bulls in the nineties. Do what the bulls <laughs> did with, uh, Scotty Pippen, Pippen and put him, just take him out earlier, five minutes into the, into the first and then put him back in at the end of the first to play with the bench unit. Um, one thing Malone has struggled with is learning how to stagger Michael Porter Jr. Specifically. Uh, it's been extremely sporadic and that I do worry that it is uh, if we're going to talk about a negative here, I do worry about Malone's uh, almost glacial um, adjustment period time. Um, he moves with the speed of continental drift at times. So I think that that part is something that does concern me. Uh, not that he was going to be quote out coached by Terry Stotts. I don't think that's a factor, but I do think Malone needs to identify things a little quicker than he does. And I think one of the key adjustments they're going to make because he's going to go right into this first game doing the same thing he always does, which is what you should do but he needs to identify where the weaknesses are. And I, if I was him, I would play Porter, maybe even Gordon, more with the uh, second unit to kind of allay some of the issues. I mean, I don't want Gordon isolating, but he can give you some a minimal amount of scoring that right now, as you pointed out, this bench unit really doesn't have. Yeah, so I, and maybe I, if Jokic is going to play 40 minutes, you know, we're only talking about eight minutes, right? So it's, right, can you right. survive the eight minutes, right? Uh, and I think that's really, we're talking about eight to 10 minutes. I, I think you see Jokic playing 38 minutes. Um, so I, I hope that's the case. If it's true, I think the other big question for Porter when he plays the stagger minutes with the bench is, you know, are they getting in the ball? You know, I think that's been a frustrating thing for me at times right. this year. It's taken them a little bit of time to, to sort of treat Porter like he's the alpha when he plays with the bench unit. Um, right. You know, you get your Paul Millsap ISOs and your Monte pick and rolls with whoever is playing the five. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, Porter sort of gets left off in the corner sometimes. Uh, they, they really can't do that. I mean, you know, you, got, you have to uh, – hopefully they are, you know, working on, you know, designing plays and designing ways to get Porter the ball – um, when he's playing with that bench unit. And, and I know that Monte, I, I think, you know, hopefully is really a, is playing healthy, right? Whereas, whereas we've dealt with all the other injuries in the backcourt, Monte has gotten a lot of rest, um, you know, has, is saying the right things in the interviews. We'll see in the series. But I, if, if you can get a Monte Morris 40% from three series, you know, and mm-hmm. a Monte Morris, you know, working the pick and roll at JaVale, you know, working MPJ into the game, maybe that solves the bench unit problems. I, I, right. I don't know. Um, but that, that, I think that's the most hopeful op, op, um, option, uh, you know, for how to survive those eight to 10 minutes without, without Jokic, because Stotts does stagger. I mean, you know, CJ will be, you know, they'll have CJ or Damon right. against that unit at all times. And so, um, you know, maybe that's where your your boy Shaq Harrison comes in and and is and is just in full shutdown mode uh, and trying to <laughs> trying to muck up those eight minutes uh, as much as possible. So I I think that the bench, you know, ability to score um, is is one of my top top concerns for the for the series. One of the things that gives me that little game seven 2019 pit in my stomach again. <laughs> well, let me give you everybody, and everyone's going to roll their eyes because. 
I've got my old things that I always go back to, but everything for me, as you know, comes back to the 94 Nuggets. And the one thing that sticks in my brain for what Dan Issel did in 94 was identifying that this Nuggets team couldn't play uh, fast-breaking basketball with the unit that they had. Um, and it became clear towards the end of that regular season, but it became eminently clear when they played the Sonics and the Jazz that year was that they understood that they needed to play a defensive-minded thing. And, of course, they had Matumbo, who they could filter everything in, inside to. This Nuggets team is not a, quote, rim-protecting team. Um, this is a team that uh, is very different in that way. But it would be interesting to me to watch this because I, I think – the way the Nuggets have adapted without Murray is um, coming back to a positive is kind of reminding me of like, of, of something like identifying like they did in 94, that they couldn't play that way anymore. And I think that the fortunate thing about this is that the Nuggets had uh, a good 10 games, 12 games to play on this style. They had a good stretch of time before the playoffs to adjust. And I think uh, uh, unlike the Gallinari injury four games before the regular season ended, this is completely different. This Nuggets team had time to adapt. And I think this is going to work in their advantage because I think now they're more used to playing in the new style than they were before that. And I, and I personally, and maybe I'm a fool and more, you know, many people have called me that before, but I, I, <laughs> I, I think that, that uh, we, that's where we're at. And I think the Nuggets, uh, since they got this time, have time to figure out who they are. And I think that's just only going to benefit them. Well, I don't think you're a fool, Jeff, but I, no, I just am you. not. I, I think it's hard. You know, these end of the season games, some of them are so fluky and funky on who right. you're playing. I just, I, I don't have the same level of confidence. I, I mean, this is sort of obvious take of the day as, as I did before. You know, the, I mean, I thought they were really, uh, obviously clicking on all cylinders uh, before Jamal went down. So right. I, I see what you're saying. They've had a little bit of time. It's not like it just happened. Um, they have adjusted to the style. I think Rivers has fit in really nicely. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, we've now, we're now, what, however many minutes in here, 25 minutes, we haven't even mentioned, you know, really Jokic. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, as you said, um, comparing to the 94 team, you had this, you know, sort of Matumbo anchor, um, uh, and, and, uh, you know, they, they really, the Blazers, really don't have an answer for for Jokic um Blazers defense has been terrible all year you know that Nurkic is gonna try to fluster him um Jokic has up until about the last month or so uh seemed a much more immune to those start of sort of efforts than he had uh in his younger days right um and you know they don't like who's gonna help they don't they don't again I, I I the thing that gives me the most confidence about this series is the Blazers starting lineup I mean, who even doubles? You know, like, like Rocco is is tiny. Like you can't you can't switch Rocco onto onto Jokic. I, right. I mean, Rocco is very length, length you know, gangly. Um, I and mean, Jokic probably weighs a hundred pounds more than him. Uh, and, and you know, Jokic has just absolutely sunned Enos Cantor uh, over the past few years. So you bring right. Cantor off the bench. If Nurkic gets into foul trouble, I mean, Cantor, you know, can't check Jokic at all. Um, you know, mellow, I, I, they, they really don't have the size. Whereas when, had, you know, this is where the one Blazers injury that comes into play Collins, if you had Collins, you know, maybe you can sort of double team Jokic at times, you know, um, have, have two 
two big men in the post who can sort of create problems for him. I, I think Nicola is just going to eat um, in this series. And that allows him to play the slow down ball that you're talking about that he likes. And he likes mm-hmm. using as much of the shot clock as possible. Mm-hmm. Like as long as he's aggressive, which he's been most, most, most of the year, obviously in this amazing MVP year. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that is the big kind of anchor right and and i think that he's obviously the best player in the series well there's a question mark about how much the nuggets can slow dame i i just don't think the blazers have a prayer to slow to slow Jokic. yeah i think the big question is is then what happens if ag's not making his threes faku's not making his threes if shaq isn't making his threes and they really are just you know sort of sagging 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 and forcing wide open shots from everybody else uh, that 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 i guess would be my concern but even then you think Jokic can kind of just be a, a wrecking wrecking ball down low you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I think one reason I don't immediately think of Jokic is because I see him as a constant. So I, I, I guess <laughs> he's my, just so amazing. It's like, how do you even talk about him? So, sometimes it's like, I don't think Jokic did that good today. And it's like, oh, wait, 28, 12, and 8. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, oh, he had a bad game. Oh, he, the refs got in his head. Oh, he still had 30. You know, it's, it, yeah. it, it's one of those things. But one of the, because obviously he's going to win the MVP. Um, Anyone who's listened to this podcast can tell you, I do not care about the MVP award. I just don't. It is big though. I'm not discounting that. I, it is big. It's big for the Nuggets history. The closest uh, Nuggets have ever come in NBA history is David Thompson in 1978. Right. And he was third. So that, that's, that gives you an idea of how rare this is. And I get that it's big. I just don't, I just, I don't care about popularity contests like this. So I'm, I'm I guess I, I don't compute it, but it would be big. And since he's going to be the MVP and he's played like this, and, and, and I guess the most important thing about Jokic this year is that he has been consistent. There hasn't been his, his I'm not going to shoot today games, which were extremely frustrating for the last right. several years. It's been, he's been consistent and good this entire year, all 72 games. And I think that is why I kind of like didn't immediately think of him because I just figure that everything builds on top of him. Everything is just, he's, he's a known quantity, a known great quantity, but everything is going to build on top of it. And I don't see 50 point games from him. I mean, the guy could be surprised, but uh, I don't see that. But I do see, um, you remember game seven against the, uh, the Clippers last year, where yeah. he had like 16 points and like 20 something rebounds and like 15, 16 assists or something like that. It was insane. It was the most dominant performance from a center I'd ever seen, and he'd only scored 16 points. That's the kind of game I want to see from Jokic right there. That is, that's where he is absolutely controlling all aspects of the game. Uh, and if he does that, and he does that over, you know, four games, there'll be enough for him to win. Yeah, well, and, and I, the thing that I worry about is, can he, can this team allow him to have 16 assists? You know, uh, and I think right. that's the biggest question um, for him. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about a 50 point game, but I was thinking back to that Spurs series in 2019. Right. And I, I don't, I, I'm forgetting if it was game, I, I think it was game six, um, but he had a 40 plus point game yes, in that, in that Spurs series, which I yeah. think, I think was game, could have been game five. Um, uh, but, um, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that if you get Nurk into foul trouble, one of these games in particular, um, the, the Blazers just don't have an answer for him. 
And so yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't, I would not be surprised if he had one or two 40 point games uh, in this series, um, you know, fifties a lot. Uh, but um, I think that's true. And I just, well, I agree with you basically on the MVP thing. It is, I just have kept trying to like tell myself over the course of the year to just really appreciate this. I mean, I know that he, you know, seems he's healthy. He's a horse. He's young. We'll have him for a while, but it is an unbelievable season um, that had, that just doesn't have anything, you know, even close to it in in precedent and nuggets and nuggets history. Um, And really in Denver, you kind of sports it. And you go back to Elway, right? It's like, when you think about this, like who, what are the other examples of some of this? It's like Elway, right. Uh, You know, um, and maybe those early abs teams, right. When they moved to some of the Forsberg and Sackett years, but, uh, but I I just, it's been so beautiful to watch. Um, And, you know, every time I get on league pass and watch some of these other games, I sort of get reminded about how much, you know, his style opens up the court for everybody else and how Mm -hmm. fun it is to watch and just his consistency. Um, So, uh, you know, you you do not want to, not want to forget that. I do really want to appreciate it because it's really been magical and it would be sad. It would be unfortunate really for that season, regardless of the title of MVP, but for a season that great and that memorable to, um, to, to end with a loss to the Blazers. So this yeah. is kind of like why he needs us <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, right. <You> know? um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, you know, I hate, uh, did you see the uh, photos of uh, Yusuf Nurkic down on uh, Larimer street? Uh, I did. Wasn't he wearing a Nurkic jersey? He, he it was just insane. what a weirdo. He, he was not. He was not like. I, it is fine. It's fine. I, I don't care. Uh, I do know that he knows has a bunch of friends in Denver still, and uh, he enjoys it out here. Great. I, that's fine. But it was just interesting because you don't see Jokic doing that. You know, Jokic. No. Jokic is is very much a homebody, and he doesn't you know hit the spots. He goes out and he he just plays basketball, and that's one of the things the Nuggets uh, have really tried to bring into their culture is guys who are ballers, guys who guys who just want to play basketball. Um, and I think that part is part of the culture going on here. And, and I think Jokic doing what he's been doing and and being able to set that excellent example has only helped. And in that way, the MVP award as quote validation unquote would uh, help only further that narrative that maybe will help the Nuggets in other ways that have nothing to do with uh, on the court, you know, that just help reputation and help with free agency. You never know with that sort of thing, right? Well, and for all the slander of Jokic, um, you know, based on his physical appearance, you know, of national guys, like he's lazy or he's unathletic or he doesn't care, you know, you've heard all of that. Uh, Jokic, I, I liked Nurkic when he was here, and yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll just on the wrong list, egg on your face. Like I, I wasn't certain that Jokic was going to be better, right? Like right. when we traded Nurkic, like I thought he was. You know, I liked it was more fun to watch Jokic, right, than Nurkic. Right. But I liked Nurkic a lot, right, um, when he was here, and and Nurkic is like the same player he was when he was here, yeah. right? And so some people. Uh, that they just peek out and I, this is not an attempt to, to neg him or whatever. Um, but Jokic has improved dramatically over the last four years. And I, so it's not just, he's not down on Larimer, you know, sort of drinking and yucking it up. Um, he's been working on his game and improving it, improving his athleticism, improving his, you know, his physique, but improving, you know, footwork, all, all of it um, shot three point shot this year mm-hmm. um, versus last year. Uh, and, and while, while Nurk has been pretty flat, um, and so two guys that were really a pretty, 
good when Nurk was first traded. Remember, Nurk got the better of him a couple times mm-hmm. in those first few games. You know, like you could you could say it was a pretty even matchup that Nurk got the better of a few times. It's not even close now. I mean, right. I mean, Jokic has just lapped him. Um, so that's pretty satisfying. Well, and if we're going to talk Nurkish, we got to also talk about the other elephant in the room, and that is Carmelo Anthony. Um, and it's interesting. And the only thing I want to keep, as far as Melo is concerned, is his inability to win in Denver <laughs> since the trade. He is it's such o- a good stat. <laughs> he is over, I think, ten or something like that. I did. It's, it's, it's got to be more than that. I think it's got to be more than that. Well, he's with the Knicks, and they only played once a year. And some in some of those games, he like skipped. So he, he's just, he can't win in Denver. And I always, I always think it's a psychological thing with him, but I want to keep that going. Cause I got nothing real against Carmelo Anthony. Uh, I, I know that's a controversial thing to say, but I don't begrudge people for wanting to be somewhere else. Uh, I don't like some of the things he did uh, on his way out. Um, those are stories for another podcast, but I, I think that, he he went through his time in the wilderness and didn't play basketball for a year and ended up with uh, with the Blazers and a situation where he can do his mellow things and not be a minus and you know I guess good for him but I, I share that yeah I I seriously don't want him to ever win in Denver and I think <laughs> the important thing about this series is that they need to keep that streak going. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have a soft spot for the Blazers, but I, I do have a soft spot for Melo. I, I still do. I mean, it was so exciting when we had drafted him. And, right. you know, I was right after that Syracuse run. And it really, the Nuggets had been in the dregs for so long. I, and I even was, uh, you know, it was, and that was kind of in the late 90s NBA. It was getting kind of boring. Uh, yeah. it was, and this was sort of in my lull of NBA watching, really. When, and Melo got me back fully into you know nba um and and so i i just i i have a soft spot for him um and you know i wish he could have stayed longer i i also don't begrudge what he did um and you know it's his family and what you know all that and so um i want to kick his ass this week uh like you do and i think it'd be i think it's fun to keep that streak um but uh but no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm totally in line with you on, on that. And I worry a little bit about, a, you know, a mellow game. And that'll certainly piss me off. Like, and, I, and I think that, you know, this, I, I, going again back to the bench, you know, I'm hoping that this is just, you know, maybe in a panicky rain cloud. But I just, I do worry about a little stretch where mellow gets hot and this is getting some rebounds. You know, our offense is just totally stagnant um and and you know they steal a game because of that uh, you know because of a little hot mellow stretch um or or you know sort of ennis you know wrecking things down low uh, hopefully it goes the other way you know we get a one old man Millsap game you know where right. like we did last year right <laughs> and, and we can steal a game that way but uh but that does that does worry me about mellow and i'm, I'm the bench man i don't think that there's like a great obvious matchup for him in the bench unit right and i think that porter and or ag will be fine on him uh whoever plays him when the when the starters are in right you know uh here's a here's some history context for people do you remember uh who played for the wizards uh al thornton do you remember him of course yeah okay uh there's the famous lebron mellow um duel in 2010 (coughs) excuse me and um, 
right after that game, the Nuggets played the Wizards. And Al Thornton, okay. who was a scrub in almost every sense of the word, right, a marginal NBA player, uh, gets up into Mello's grill and provoked Mello into taking, like, I think he shot three for 21 that night. And it was all because Mello nice. was pissed off that Al Thornton had the temerity to guard him like that. It was, it was, that, that was the book on Mello, that you could do that and provoke him into, kind of like the, uh, you could do a to- Kobe. You could provoke Kobe into chucking, basically. Yeah. And uh, that is all, that's always stuck into my brain. So I think the Nuggets should get up in Mello's grill in the second unit because he hates it. And especially if it's someone who is not a, a named player. So you get, I mean, Shaq Harris Green. is not tall, but he's, you know, get, yeah. Get, get Green. Yeah, Jermichael Green just really up in his grill. Mello will absolutely hate that, and he will try to take over the offense. And that is my best defense for Mello in the second unit. Just provoke him into chucking. And I think that will, that will benefit the Nuggets if they kind of go that direction. I, I, I hope so. And I, I think that those are going to be just the minutes to watch here for the first few nights. Because, you know, you know, we know what we're going to get out of the first, out of the starting five you really do and i mean i think there's a little bit of a question in the nuggets about whether the supporting cast besides porter and Jokic are going to be able to shoot from three and and i'm i'm praying and feeling pretty good about about uh about rivers and and you know faku when he at least when he's open and uh, uh hopefully ag can knock down one or two and keep people honest and, and you know on the other side that dame and cj are gonna have a game and take one or two um but uh but but those the question is who can steal one of those games and I just uh, I, I have a really sinking feeling that Melo's going to be able to so I I hope you're right and they've got a good game plan for for snuffing that out. All right, well uh, we're going to continue with the rest of the podcast, but, but before we do, we're going to take a break for DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's playoff time, big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on a featured playoff game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select select game, the over-under will drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over on the featured game helps lower the game's over-under. The best part is even as the line lowers, the odds remain even money. That's right. You can double your money by hammering the over. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Excuse me. I can talk. And use promo code MHS when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of of the over-hitting so tell your friends and family this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code MHS for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. Max. $25 wager. One per customer. Offer ends 523-21. So soon. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Hmm? Call one 800 522-4700. That's 1-800-522-4700. I hope everyone appreciates my very dramatic DraftKings reads. Um, it's a good read. 
Okay. So uh, I listened to my friend uh, Ryan Blackburn's podcast with uh, Blazer's Edge writer uh, Danny Morang. And at one point, Morang starts to explain to the audience, which was Ryan's podcast, which is Nuggets fans, explain about the Nuggets. And, and, and it was one of the most condescending things I've ever listened to in my life. And it drove me insane. But it reminded me of, of the, the treatment that, for whatever reason, inexplicably, Nuggets, Nuggets fans seem to get from a lot of fan bases around the league. But specifically, it infuriates me with Blazers fans. Um, I dislike the Utah Jazz for many reasons, mostly because those playoff series they used to play against the Jazz were so angsty and so infuriating that it would just make me pull out my hair. That is completely different, right? This was just like, there's no need for it. So I don't need Danny Meringue or anyone else, any Blazers fan, to, to explain to me about the Denver Nuggets. I know. I know about the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I Oh my God, dude, Tim's squirming here. But I know about the Denver Nuggets. You do not need to explain Denver Nuggets to me in a, well, you know, one day you will be like us, Bla- the Blazers, which is the way it came across. And he basically said that. And I'm like, who the hell cares? <laughs> who the hell cares? Yeah, well, it's like the Blazers, uh, that, that uh, viral from 2019, the Blazers Twitter guy who's like, I came to Denver and don't see oh, any man. Nuggets fans in the airport. You remember this? Oh, uh, it was all going around Twitter, and you know they don't, they don't care about the team like they do in Portland. I mean, I'll say this about Portland, and I've got a couple of buddies who hopefully will tune into this podcast who are Blazers fans, so I'll be shit-talking on text uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, they, you know, they don't have any other teams. So, you know, they've only got one thing to care about. So that's true. I, I do think that there is a uh, sort of intensity to the fandom in Portland that maybe is not the same as Denver, which is more of a Broncos town. Um, and I will say those Rose Garden games, and I still am triggered from watching those on TV as a kid. Uh, you know, it was rowdy in there. Uh, I felt like the Nuggets would always lose, even when, even after Drexler and, you know, even when the team wasn't that good, but I felt like the Nuggets would lose. Um, and so I give, I give Blazers fans credit for that, and, and it's, it's a fun environment, uh, even though they are restricting themselves even more than the Nuggets are. So I don't think that'll right. be a problem in this series. I think they've got the biggest fan restrictions out of any team in the league, which just brief aside – I think it's kind of silly. We should NBA should have had vaccine passports. We should have filled the stadiums for the playoffs based on where we were at. But uh, you know, just uh, that's my one political aside for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, but I, I do think in general, um, after that nice thing I say about the Blazers is, is that they the, there is a sense of entitlement and superiority that's not really earned for a team that hasn't won anything any more recently than we have. Right. And it's the, you know, not in my lifetime. They've never won anything. Uh, and, and, uh, and they can be dicks and, and Yusuf is a dick and Ennis who I like, um, I guess my second political aside, he does some really great human rights advocacy right. politically. And I've, I've, ta- I've spoken to him about, and he's a good person, but he can be a dick. Uh, and so, you know, they, uh, there definitely will be, there will be some, some, uh, you know, I think heightened, heightened tensions and trash talking um, from, from some of the, uh, you know, going both ways, but from, you know, Portland fans um, that, that probably we wouldn't have had, had, had it been Dallas or, or, you know, some of the other teams, the Clippers don't have any real fans, for example. Right. Um, uh, and well, okay. Here's one of the questions that I wanted to kind of spring on you for this. Cause okay. I looking back through your Nuggets fandom, has there been any particular uh, 
team that you really, really wanted to beat, aside from the Lakers, who everyone wants to beat. So is there been a team that just got under your skin uh, more than other teams? For me, it's always been the Jazz. Uh, it, it, I just just cannot stand it when the Nuggets play them in the playoffs. I get, I get like emotional and angsty, and it just I, sends me into tailspin. Last year when they're in the bubble, they're playing them, and I'm like, I'm just getting flashbacks to 1994 and uh, uh, John Stockton putting his leg under people who are shooting jump shots and yeah. trying to injure them. And like I, all the memories came back. But is there anyone like that for you in your time as a Nuggets fan? Yeah, current NBA, it's definitely the Jazz um, and uh, the current Jazz fans and and Mitchell and Gobert. Uh, I, I think, I think you know, it's inevitable that that, that showdown is coming. It doesn't look like it's going to happen this year, but I think that that is an inevitable playoff showdown that will be very intense for me and emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, back going going backwards. Um, oh shoot! I, that for some reason that uh, I, I don't feel that way about the current makeup of the Warriors team who I kind of I kind of I kind of like and and frankly I just really wish that Steph could have could have pulled that off on Thursday night or whatever night it was Wednesday night and and that that we would have had you know the Suns Blazers uh Warriors and us on one side of the bracket I think that would have been so great and and I I just it's hard not to like Steph but that first Warriors series that we had um with mark jack when mark jackson was their coach mark jackson's always pissed me off and like that series really got under my skin more than than other recent than other recent series in 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 memory i just you know lakers don't really count obviously that lakers western conference finals but uh you know i i got pretty just down about the mellow nuggets like they just kept getting beaten in the first round and so you know Mm -hmm. it was sort of like you couldn't gain an emotional valence like i wanted i wanted that win um for that team that was 50 plus wins you know going against the warriors before they became the warriors um and so that was the one that, that that stands out for me. Well, especially since, you know, uh, I don't think this is a controversial opinion since uh, uh, Mark Jackson has certain thoughts about people who are yeah. like you and me that uh, is... Uh, is uh, and not... is cheating with Iggy, you know, yes. the anti-gang stuff, the cheating with Iggy, his general attitude. Yeah, right. Mark Jackson, his interviews after, after the games, I remember really getting under my skin. That that series was was one that really stood out to me well, as as one that, that, that got me got well, me heated that and the uh the uh he wasn't a tremendously good coach and the only coach that i've ever i mean including greg popovich the only coach that i've ever had a bad interaction with opposing coach was him and uh that that's a story what was the interaction well i uh let's see this was 2014 i uh we we I, we talked to uh, Brian Shaw, and uh, we uh, it was about halfway through um, Jackson's post game presser because for whatever reason he decided decided to start it while Malone was talking, so I, I like run down to the just this is about I don't know fifty feet down the hallway, and. Uh, <laughs> I, I managed to ask, I forget which ask, which question I asked, but he looked at me as if I was something that you scrape off your shoe. Yeah. And he says, well, what do you think? That's a dumbass question, motherfucker. 
And I went, whoa. And I forget who was standing next to me. It was someone in the uh, He really meet. said MFR? Yes. And, oh, and I was standing next to somebody. It was someone, it was, I've, I've read, man, it was like seven years ago. It was like a lifetime ago now. And uh, uh, the guy just like reached around and patted me on the shoulder. <laughs> and then we left and he goes, that's not the first time you've done that. So don't worry about it, man. But he's the only guy, he's the only coach I ever had a bad interaction with, ever. Uh, well, you're better than me. During my brief period as a sports journalist, as the uh, as as one of the voices of our college radio station at the George Washington University, our sitting head coach at the time hated me because I was like the precocious asshole college radio guy who was supposed to ask him like nice questions about how great he was, and I would like pepper him about why he didn't why he didn't leave the zone earlier and stuff like that yeah. <laughs> and he, he hated me he started refusing to do interviews with college radio because of my tough questions for him in the in the post game so uh i i got on i got on the bad side of the home team coach uh, so you're 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 better off than me yeah there's, there's carl, been carl hobbs was his name he's kind of a jerk to be honest there's been time there's been times that uh, uh michael malone i've been his favorite person but i think that that's that's pretty common with everyone that you know you got to ask these questions and you know be, they get annoyed um i i think you know looking at this now and coming back to portland yeah you know it would upset me and not upset me i understand the context uh of the injuries it would annoy me if they lost to the blazers i i have to admit this it would it would annoy me to an extent that it probably shouldn't considering the injuries, but it's going to just putting that out there. I think they're going to be fine, but if they do manage to lose, I, I will be annoyed and I may not be a pleasant person to be around for a day. So I, I I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm just happy. Most of these games are late night uh, because I also will be annoyed and, um, you know, nothing worse than taking it out on your kid uh, when you're in a bad mood over a sport match that you're not even competing in. Uh, and so uh, I looked at, we're, at least we're on the late night here, so I don't have to worry about that as much. I guess it looks like one game was an afternoon game. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you. My, um, my tension level, just talking about potentially losing right now, is getting, is getting high. My blood pressure index is going up a little bit. So <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I, 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 there's a little bit of the... Um, my excitement level is going to be at like, you know, when Jamal went down, my excitement level for the playoffs went down to like a four out of 10. And then had the Lakers lost that game on Wednesday where we had a real path to the Western conference finals. Like my excitement level got up to a 10 out of 10, basically. Now it's kind of back down to an eight and a half. I, I sort of recognize that this is not the year, you know, this team is likely not going to be the champion. You never know. Who knows? Toronto that year, everything went, went their way. And, you know, LeBron twists his ankle and, you know, James Harden blows out a knee and something. And, you know, it's not, it's not totally impossible, but, um, but, but I, I have a little bit less, it feels like a little bit less is at stake um, than, than had it been sort of the maximum uh, uh, potential success here. I, it does feel like we're really on a two-year two year plan here um, uh, once we get Jamal back next year. So a little bit less, but I, I will also be quite annoyed to lose to the Blazers. That is maybe also part of the reason I wanted the Mavericks is like the, 
the emotion the, a loss to the Mavericks would have sucked, but I would have been kind of like, yeah, whatever. Um, losing to the Blazers again two times in three years would be painful, and and uh, I, I would have to take a break from my Blazers friends text chain, I think, for a couple of days. <laughs> so, uh, any particular series you're looking forward to as, aside from the Nuggets uh, series? Um, I think Suns Lakers will be fun. Um, I, I don't know that it's a guarantee that the Lakers have that series. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that obviously Nuggets fans will have a real rooting interest in that one. Um, and so uh, I, I, I think that um, that is the one in, in the West that I'm, that I'm looking the most forward to. Um, I, don't, I think the four or five over in the East will be fun um, mm-hmm. too. I'd like to see the Knicks go down. You know, I've, I've got a little bit of rooting interest in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What about you? Uh, yes, Suns Lakers. Uh, I don't necessarily have a ton of faith in the Suns, but um, I'm I'm not think, liking that one. Uh, I I don't. This is hot take number two, I guess, for this. Uh, I don't have a ton of confidence that the Jazz will have a easy first round series, um, because hmm. I was watching. The, I think the book is out on how to stop. The, them uh the uh the jazz and that's just you got to do sell out on the three-point line if they're not hitting their threes their offense is unwatchable and it really is one of uh, more than I, I i even the warriors in 2015 and 16 this is the most three-point dependent dependent team i have ever seen they shoot such a high percentage of threes and they've been living on that and there was a, I forget which who they played, but they they completely cut them off at the three point line, and their offense just they couldn't do anything after that. They're, they're, the total foundation of their offense like completely declined because Rudy Gobert is not exactly an offensive juggernaut. So I think I think I, whoever they play uh, in the first round, particularly if it's the the, uh, the Warriors, who are a great a great defensive team. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for the Jazz. I hope you're right, but I'm not buying it. I, I think that, uh, again, you know, um, uh, if my aunt were my uncle, uh, but uh, I, I, like uh, Warriors, Suns would have been good. Lakers, Jazz would have been amazing. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I'd buy it. Um, I'll, I'll watch a little bit of that series. I'm, is, maybe I'm – now here's my hot take. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know that the Wizards – don't have a chance in the one eight on the other side. Um, oh, yeah. I, you know, I, the Sixers just don't really scare me. Um, you know, I think that Embiid obviously is going to have a field day with the Wizards. And so can they figure out a way to stop that? Unclear. But again, is Embiid going to score 50? Uh, not really. Um, you know, uh, obviously Russ, fun to watch. Uh, Beal. So I, I think that uh, the one eight on the other side. Um, it, it will be fine. And I, everybody seems very convinced that the Mavericks don't have a chance against the Clippers, but I don't know that I'm quite as convinced. I think that could end up being an interesting series. I would love to see a couple of Luca games. Um, yeah. I'm just not impressed with the Clippers really at all. I, I don't, yeah. they don't scare me at all. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously you have to respect Kawhi's uh, Kawhi's greatness and his playoff performance and, and maybe he can shut down Luca and, and who knows, I, I could eat my eat crow here and then that could be a four Oh series, but, but the boy there, the, there's a lot of, there's a lack of weapons outside the big, 
big two there um, in in Los and in, in Los Angeles. So uh, those those are the other ones I'm be watching. But I, I think that Suns, Lakers, and and Nugs, Nugs, Blazers are the are the premier premier series. Well, the, for, for for Nuggets fans, interest. Yeah, well, and you know the interesting thing about this is that the Clippers. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in them, and I think that's largely due to the playoff series last year. But honestly, a lot of the the the, uh, the Dallas's issues are going to be whether Porzing you get A grade Porzingis or Z grade Porzingis. Right, that's true. That's and true. that entire team, and it's not Luca. This entire team uh, is like it hinges on whether Porzingis is going to a be healthy and b show up in a in a good way because uh when he's going well as we the nuggets saw when they played them a couple months ago uh right before the trade deadline it's it, i mean they're 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 they could just shoot from anywhere and and hit a high percentage because they got two really really hyper good uh, uh offensive weapons but if Porzingis isn't hitting or if he's unhealthy, it's just, it's just Luca and a bunch of guys and it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And that, that's what I worry about with Dallas. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I have a little bit of a, a breaking bad news for us here. Are you ready oh, shit. for right. me to be the, to be the minister of death? Right. Um, questionable Austin Rivers, non COVID illness. What could that be? He's got the shits. Look at a non, the flu game, non-COVID illness. You have chicken pox? Uh, he didn't get his vaccine as a child? <laughs> questionable. Hungover? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That don't was... know what that is. But, but boy, that would um, – I mean, I, 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 I wasn't going to bring it up earlier because I, I think that, that the number of minutes that this is going to be the case in the series is probably small enough that it won't matter. But the one backcourt that I have some nerves about is – the Monte and Faku backcourt. I, oh, I just yeah. I don't love the mini lad backcourt um, mm-hmm. in, uh, in any matchup really to be honest, but this matchup in particular. And so, boy, if Austin is out, that forces your hand to play that backcourt. Mm-hmm. Maybe not start. Who knows? Malone could could play a big lineup um, to start, but uh, but but boy, uh, hopefully hopefully Austin can take his Pepto Bismol or whatever and get what? better. I, I mean, questionable as of, I mean, questionable is like not doubtful. So I, that, that's hopeful and it's in that sense, but um, like, I can't think of what food poisoning, would, maybe, maybe food poisoning. I mean, that could, up. that could be, that's a thing, you know, maybe that's, maybe that happens. Maybe he, you know, went to a place he shouldn't have and, and, and got some bad food. So, you know, you never know. Um, uh, it's going to be interesting or, you know, like they used to say like, sick they used to say like like flu like symptoms or something like that they used to describe that in the old nba days and that was always when people went out the night before and got uh hammered so i i'm going to i'm going to assume that it's not that because it's a day before but you never know yeah <laughs> so well who would have thought we'd be here praying for the health of austin rivers <laughs> to make the backcourt rotation work yeah, but uh you know whatever kind of Vibes, send all your vibes, Austin Rivers direction right now. So, suddenly less hopeful, him. right? Yes. <laughs> uh, it said Barton is Barton's out, by the way, for game one. There's no okay. no hope of Barton. So yeah. uh, he uh, is hope for later in the series. But and even if he comes back, one. even if he comes back, man, when he's even remotely injured, he is not a useful player. 
And yeah. that that is like, that's what I worry about with him. Like how much of a positive will it be if he actually does come back? Because you remember him in those playoff series in 2019 when he was injured. He oh, was I remember. Awful. He was awful. Awful. So I, I, I don't know. All right. We're ending this on a bad note. I, we, okay. Uh, well, let's I want to hear, I, I don't have you, Mr. Optimism. Uh, we can end on a good note. What's your okay. series prediction? You haven't, you haven't told? You haven't N- Nuggets told? and six. Nuggets and six. And then do you have, you have the Lakers over the Suns and, and, and the Nuggets yes. season coming to an end there. That's your playoff prediction. Yes. I, 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 I see the inevitable Lakers Nuggets uh, second round series. Yes. You know, I've got I've got Nuggets in seven. I, it feels we're a seven game team, and um, it feels to me like if it gets to a game seven, um, that that means that that the things that I'm concerned about have are, are at least manageable um, as far as the offense is concerned. And you know, I just think a 47 point Jokic game seven is is what's in the offing. I just don't think they can stop him. Um, uh, and so I've got Nuggets in seven, and just praying for you know you don't want anybody to get hurt. Want everybody to be healthy, you know, have nothing but good wishes on anyone. But if LeBron just tweaked that ankle a little bit, just tweaked it a little bit more, and you know, then who knows? Then maybe we're in business. So uh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll leave it at that on a high note. Well, maybe Chris Paul can buck his trend of being a, uh, a, a disappointing playoff performer and just, just take one for us Nuggets fans, right? Amen. Just- I'm a Chris Paul, Devin Booker <laughs> stan right now. Let's right. do it. Yes. Go boys. <laughs> yes. Paul and book for president. Yes. Until they, <laughs> until they play the nuggets in the second round. All right. Well, uh, uh, all right, folks, that'll be it for me and Tim. Of course, Tim will be back. I mean, he's our bulwark correspondent. We, we wrap things up and, uh, tell the people where they can find you. I love doing this, Jeff. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TimODC, though it's only about 10% Nuggets tweets. So you got to deal with my politics tweets besides that. Um, uh, if you just want only Nuggets material, you can ask Jeff if he, you can join our text chain. Uh, otherwise, you can go to the Bulwark. Uh, and if you are um, a teen or in your mid-20s, um, you can check out my show on Snapchat, which is called Not My Party. Or maybe if you have a, a teen in your life, a nephew or a niece, Tell them to go on Snapchat and watch Not My Party. It's a weekly uh, political, sh- political show I do on Snapchat that's super, super fun. Uh, the only way I've ever watched the Not My Party thing is when you put it on Twitter in a full video. So, <laughs> Okay. Well, I, but you I, know, I, uh, we're trying to reach the youngs. I got recognized <laughs> to your Charlie's thing. I got recognized at Charlie's by somebody in their 20s. Um, I did. guess I didn't age them, but I'm just going based on, based on the eye test, somebody in their 20s um, from the Snapchat show. So it's getting wow. out there with the teens, with the, with the people in their 20s. So it's, it's a really fun, fun thing to do. Hope, hope everybody can check it out. Go Nuggets. Yes. Thanks again for having me. No problem. And you are a youthful person, so you are you are thank able you, to Jeff. relate to the youths. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> thank you for joining us, everyone. We'll see you all later. Bye. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. 
And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.